Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we do one more trip report because we've been traveling a lot this summer. Joe's trip to Alani. We talk about why his family loved it and how his experience differed from Leslie's in the past. After this last trip report, we're back to Disney World. Find old episodes of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review. Special shout out and thanks to Saku Bald and Chrissy MB7 for leaving recent reviews. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. And if you'd like to support the show, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. So here I sit, jealous of you living on the West Coast for the first time because I just got back from uh, Alani on the island of Oahu to be specific. And instead of having to fly four or five hours like you did, or like you do, uh, I had to fly 10 hours. But Alani was that amazing that, yes, I've never been jealous of anyone living on the West Coast until this moment. Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But here we are. We're going to do my Alani trip report. And so that means we're flipping chairs. And Leslie, you're going to ask the questions. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear what you think. I haven't really gotten a full download from you um, before we're recording this. So uh, some of this is going to be be new to me. Um, I do know that you rented DVC points, which we covered in episode 53 about how to do that. So give us a brief rundown about the room that you got and how you rented DVC. Yeah. And before we get to get that, Les and I do record on-site trip reports while we're traveling for our Patreon subscribers. So if you're interested in listening to those, you can always check us out at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. All right. So renting DVC points. So what I did was uh, we were traveling with the five of us. So my six-year-old, my four-year-old, my toddler, uh, my wife, and my parents were also there. So we rented a two-bedroom suite. And so we rented DVC points. It was about 70 points a night. And we rented them from directly from friends who sold them to us for $14 per point. So it ended up being around $1,000 a night, which still sounds like a crazy number to me. But staying in Oahu for five nights before we went to Alani, I realized that most resorts are going to cost you $400 per night per room anyway, at least if you're going to be in Waikiki or any of the touristy areas. So you know, 400 times two is 800, uh, 1000 for the two-bedroom suite, which came with the living room laundry, dining room, full kitchen, you know, uh, and ended up not feeling as expensive to me. Plus I paid it off like six months ago, so I didn't have to outlay any more cash uh, on this trip. So that's how we booked it. Yeah. The price to me, just as an aside of Alani was shocking at first, but now having done it three times and also kind of compared it to other Disney, uh, hotel experiences, deluxe hotel experiences, I actually think it's kind of weirdly a value. And when you consider that like the Grand Californian can often be $600, $700 a night, and it doesn't give you all of like the included entertainment that you get at Alani, and you still are buying theme park tickets on top of that, I still am like, okay, send me to Hawaii. But uh, you know, again, I have the four or five hour flight and not the uh, 10 hour flight that you do. (laughs) That's just just my take on the price. I mean, yes, it's incredibly expensive, but you know, it is Hawaii where things are expensive. So yeah. And then what I will say is that we went during peak season uh, in the middle of July. It was definitely more expensive then. Uh, you know, that's kind of the most expensive it is in the middle of the year. This fall, if you were to stay in a two bedroom, it would really only cost around $700 a night, which, you know, I think at that price really is a huge value. This fall, it's a little bit of a 
different case because they are going to be renovating the pools. So it's not going to be at full operation, but these prices are pretty much going to be the same next year as well. So, you know, if you can go during off peak times, uh, it is a really huge value. And yeah, I agree. Like compared to like spending, say like $500 at the contemporary or something, which, yeah, I guess you can walk to the magic kingdom. But besides that, like, what are you really getting? Uh, Alani really has a ton to offer. Okay, so let's give give us your first impressions. When did you arrive at the property? Like, tell us about the check-in process and like walking into the lobby. What do you think? So this is kind of like the biggest bummer of the trip uh, for a very silly reason. But when we got there, we had driven over from Waikiki. And so half our kids were asleep. So only my daughter and I, my oldest daughter and myself, my six-year-old, got off the car. And what ended up happening is we were the only ones who got lays. My daughter got a lay. I got, they have kind of this shell necklace that they give to men. Um, And so, you know, we're the only two who got that. And so when we left, my wife is like, you know, the only thing I regret is that I didn't get a lay when I arrived at the resort because at the Hilton Waikiki didn't give us lays either, which is kind of silly, but make sure everyone gets out of the car. If you want to lay, when you get to Alani, we were too embarrassed to ask for one later. Obviously we could have, they have a water station right there, which is notable because You will find your first hidden Mickey and Alani there. And then you walk into the lobby, which is just this amazing kind of grand room that kind of evokes. My wife said it's like the Polynesian, but it feels authentic, which is a kind of a sick subtweet and burn of the Polynesian. But yeah, (laughs) but uh, I mean, it is true. And you are also in Hawaii, but I mean, we've talked about it with the Polynesian before. It's kind of like that purposely corny tikiness, um, but Alani doesn't feel like that at all. And then the check-in desk, you know, there wasn't a huge line. Um, We had to wait maybe half an hour for our room. If you're waiting for your room, they give you a uh, one-time key card to something called the Luana Lounge, where you can change into your swimsuits and go swimming immediately if you want. So if you get there even at 11 or 12, um, you can take advantage of the pools while you're waiting. But obviously we didn't because everyone was napping. Yeah. And I think it's pretty par from the cor- par for the course in my experience now, three times and yours as well to add to it, that the rooms are very rarely ready early. <laughs> I have had very good luck at Disney World, at Disneyland, at Aulani. I have had no luck. And like the text has come at, you know, 3.59 for me to be able to get into the room. Yeah, definitely. We got there at three because I assume standard check-in time is three. But at Aulani, Apparently, if you're staying like Hotel Alani, the check-in time is three. But if you're staying in any of the DVC rooms, uh, the suites or any DVC studios or anything like that, the check-in time is four. So yeah, we got a text at around 3.50. But yeah, there's no getting in early for us. Because I think like you, uh, it was like 90 to 95% occupancy. So they were pretty crowded. Yeah, well, let's tell us tell us a little bit about the room that you did get. Um, I've never stayed in the two-bedroom villas. I've seen the studios and the one-bedrooms, which were quite nice. But uh you got the ultimate upgrade. Yes, but paid for it, but <laughs> dearly. But yeah, the two True. bedroom is uh, it's really nice. So there is a master bedroom with a king size bed and a kind of much nicer bathroom. Um, and then there's a living room with, like I said, there's a dining room. There's a dining table. A really nice thing was uh, it already had actually in general the room was already equipped for babies. I'm not sure. Maybe it's because we put that we had a baby, but there was a high chair for the dining table already. There was a pack and play, uh, not set up, but in the room already for us. And so that was great. And then there's a full kitchen. There's a stove, an oven, a toaster, but not toaster oven, microwave, uh, refrigerator, all that stuff, sink. And then there's the guest room, which has two queen beds um, and then its own full bathroom. And then there's also a half bathroom. So it's two beds, two and a half bath. The couches in the living room fold out to be couches. So I think you can sleep up to 10 in that room. So, you know, it is a pretty good value, especially if you're traveling with a big group. 
Did you have that cool little trundle bed underneath the television in the two-bedroom villa? No, we didn't. No. Yeah, I remember you had said that. So no, you know, just a regular TV stand under the TV. Bummer. Those are those are so cool. <laughs> I just like those when they're at the you know Disney World hotel rooms, these like cute little trundles and they expose some like cute art oftentimes and it's like a nice little nook for younger kids. But uh, I guess those are only in the one bedroom, folks, if you need one of those. Yeah, uh, we could have used that actually. And another thing I noticed about the room is that the kind of Disney-ness of it was very understated, which is a theme throughout the whole entire hotel. I was told by the PR person that Alani is Hawaii first and Disney second, and that really comes through in every aspect of the hotel, which is probably why this is, I think, my wife's favorite Disney experience ever, because Disney wasn't in your face the whole time. The only Disney I found, besides on brochures and stuff, inside the room is when you turn on one of the lights, there is a kind of shadow of a Mickey on a surfboard, which my kids noticed, and they didn't point it out to me until like the third day. So I wouldn't even have noticed that. So other than that, oh, and there's a Mickey lamp. So, you know, everything's very understated, which, um, you know, is really cool, especially for the Disney haters like my wife. Yeah, it's interesting seeing the comparison because especially to like the Grand Californian, which also tries to like downplay the Disneyness. I guess because the theming is so authentic Hawaii, you feel like you're still getting the sort of Disney experience, even though it's not Disney, it's it's themed in a beautiful and an immersive way. It's not just like a standard hotel room, nice hotel room. So it, it does check the right boxes, like in the way that sometimes maybe I feel like the Grand Californian doesn't because it's just a really nice hotel room with a little bit of Disney. So that's just my just my take. But you know, you and you and your wife and I are, are huge Alani fans. Yeah. And <laughs> Clearly, we're kindred spirits. Speaking about the theming, I wish Moana hadn't come out because the easiest way to explain it, it's like the outrigger boats uh, and the kind of boating culture that is in Moana, like that theme kind of resonates throughout the whole entire property. If Moana hadn't come out, then I wouldn't have to reference Moana and actually have to do some Googling about, you know, old Polynesian uh, sea culture and stuff like that. But that's obviously what they were going for. Um, and the resort came out before Moana. So, you know, I think they've really nailed that whole nautical theme. Yeah, exactly. I guess they were able to do the research for Moana when they built Alani. <laughs> Clever. But Clever yeah, I, I was, I was, yeah, killing two birds with one stone. All right. Well, get, tell us a little bit. I know we've covered, we've had two episodes previously about Alani because clearly that's what you and I like to do. But um, tell us a little bit about what you did uh, activity wise, pools, um, other things that you did while you were there with your family. Yeah. So my kids absolutely love the pools. I think you had mentioned that they would really love Menahuni Bridge, which is kind of like the kids' playground, water playground, which was a lot of fun. They were really into the Lazy River. I would say that we spent lots of time in the Lazy River. So there's the slide that you take a tube down and it'll spit you straight out into the Lazy River. Uh, we did that multiple times. The volcanic vertical, the volcano vertical, or that kind of dark slide, water slide, which is the more thrilling slide. We only did that a couple of times. Um, well, I did that a few times, but my daughter only did it once. Um, and then my baby daughter really loved the kind of zero entry pool uh, the, in the Waikolohe pool where it's just kind of like a gradual decline and you just keep getting deeper and deeper and she would just keep walking and she would have walked until she started drowning uh, if we hadn't been there. You know, one thing that I'm not sure if you had mentioned before on your trips, but my wife and my daughter did was they did snorkeling in the Rainbow Reef. It's um, $25 for an adult for one day and $20 for a kid for one day. Uh, I think it was. It's Disney's own saltwater snorkeling lagoon inside the property, on property. In fact, there are like windows where you can like wave to your friends kind of like at um, the seas in Epcot while they're snorkeling. And 
we decided that it was going to be much easier to pay 20 bucks for my daughter to do her first snorkeling experience there than to drive 45 minutes to Hanuama Bay, uh, have the baby and the four-year-old just kind of sitting on the side waiting, um, and then have my daughter deal with swimming, even in a calm ocean. And so they really enjoyed it. My wife really liked Rainbow Reef a lot more than I expected that she would. Although the one thing they said was that the water was really cold. I think, you know, it wasn't the same warmth as the pool. So that's just something to note if you're going to go snorkeling there. Yeah, I've done it a couple of times. Didn't do it on the last trip that we went to. Um, but yeah, it is really cold. And for somebody like me who grew up in the deep south, who's used to like, you know, ocean water being like bath water, it, it was, I mean, it was great, but I could only do it for about 10 or 15 minutes and then I had to get out. Yeah, it was the same for them. Yeah, my, I think my daughter was like complaining, but it was a good place for her to learn how to snorkel. Like she can swim fine, but I think, you know, you have that life vest thing on and you have to make sure that your head's always tilted correctly so that you don't. Um, you know, drinking the water. So yeah, it was a good place to learn without waves and stuff like that. Uh, the, another thing that we did, you know, we kind of didn't discover this until the last day, partially because we weren't looking, but there's a lot of stuff that you can borrow for free at the beach, like sand toys and boogie boards and stuff like that. And so my kids spent like most of the last day out on the beach and they had a ton of fun uh, learning how to boogie board for the first time and stuff like that. My daughter saw like some teenage boys who were like, doing that thing where you sprint with your boogie board and then you stand on it or you can kind of slide. So it kind of looks like you're surfing. And then she spent the last like half an hour, 45 minutes pretending she was surfing. You know, we were out in the water and we just saw her over by the beach standing on her board and kind of like falling down. So I don't know. I think she wants to move out to the West coast too. Good times. So did you spend more of your time by pools versus the beach? Is that sort of where you split your time? Yeah, pretty much most of our time uh, at the pools and then some of the time at the beach. The lagoon is really nice. You know, it's very calm, but my kids are more pool people than beach people. So did you ever leave the property? We've mentioned before that this was my challenge. Yeah, we left multiple times. So we spent one day, we went up to Lanakai, which is the beach where the turtles uh, like to come ashore. And so we saw some turtles there. Uh, we went to the shrimp trucks uh, nearby there. Halewa, I think is the town. There was a sunflower festival that was going on that we dropped my parents and my two older kids off at um, to go look at. But then we had to go back to Halewa because my wife left our diaper bag there. Whoops. Um, so my wife and I didn't see the sunflower festival. It was like kind of a fundraiser for a local school. Um, and so the sunflower fields that they checked out. And we used the car to go out and get food a few times. One thing that I noticed was unless you're willing to drive like much further, like 20, 30 minutes, the food and also like at Monkey Pod, which you had talked about, which is within walking distance. And there's some places you can get food within walking distance of Alani. The prices of the food are the same. So you're not really saving a ton of money by going off site to get food. You are getting variety and some cases the food is slightly higher in quality, but I would say that if we hadn't had a car at Alani, the kind of lowest point of Alani is the food. It's fine, but it just doesn't blow me away. But nothing blew me away within a 10 to 15 minute drive of Alani. Anyway, I mean, one day my dad went to Ruby Tuesdays. I was like, wow, good job, man. You went to Hawaii and got some takeout at Ruby Tuesdays, but there's really nothing that kind of stood out, especially for us because we were always bringing it back to the hotel because we didn't want to take the whole family out to eat out. If you have older kids and you can eat out, then you could probably save some money and get better food by eating out. But for us, since we were always taking out and bringing it back to the hotel, you know, we might as well have ate at the hotel for most of uh, our meals. 
Yeah, I'd say the money saving differential, the gap has narrowed. When we first went to Aulani, when my daughter was four, or not even four, the the difference in price was was significant. Like I remember Monkey Pod being like less than half of what you know the restaurants were at Aulani. And this last trip that we went um, earlier this year, we were like, hey, wait a second, these entrees are maybe only a few dollars cheaper tops. I think just as the area has grown, that gap has narrowed. And yeah, you have to be willing to go, like say, to the food trucks, um, you know, up towards the North Shore or something like that to to really start finding different things that are more of a value, something like that. No saving money at Alani, apparently. Nope. Nope, no, no. But you can... We did a lot of sharing of meals, so that worked well. I actually found that at Ulu Cafe, the quick service restaurant, every night for dinner, they have a different kind of rotating meal. Uh, One night it was ribs. One night it was like a rotisserie chicken, like uh, definitely at least a quarter, maybe half. Um, And they run about $15 with two sides every night for dinner. And those are actually really good. Uh, The chicken was a huge hit with my kids. The ribs was a medium hit with my kids. Um, And kind of one of those meals fed all three of my kids every day. So we saved a lot of money that way. Also, every day they have a kid's meal where they have like a fish of the day with two sides. So that worked out well, you know, especially because the baby is allergic to dairy. So we had to avoid that. So, you know, the fish was good. The, the ribs and chicken were good. And of course the fried stuff at uh, Auntie's Beach Shack, um, fried fish, fish and chips, uh, fried shrimp, that all worked out well too. So, you know, the food was not ex- expensive as I expected. Uh, I'm sure it'll be much more difficult when my kids eat a lot more. Um, but, you know, we were pretty happy. One thing I will say is the Mickey ears are cute, but they're like incredibly hard to eat. I would say at least one and a half of our Mickey ears hit the ground. So, you know, maybe save that extra dollar. Maybe pay that dollar once for the photo op and then just get the regular shave ice uh, the rest of the time. Yeah, they are kind of hard to eat, but they are, you know, highly Instagrammable. So that that drives everything these days at Disney destinations. <laughs> yes, got to do it for the gram. Got to do it, for the, do it for the gram. Here's a bonus Disney don't. Don't put the entire Mickey ear into your mouth at once. It will hurt a lot. Uh, brain freeze from personal experience <laughs> you know i could have told I was like, you that with, oh this is melting i could have told you that without like experimenting joe but you know you had to try yeah. it i was like i was like oh this is melting i gotta save it put it in my mouth it hurt so much like it hurt it wasn't only brain freeze it hurt like every single part of my head so don't do that <laughs> great all right well i have to ask you one, one last thing before we close it out um auntie's beach house the kids club um, you had two who were old enough and one who was not old enough. So I want to know how you navigated that and then, you know, what your older kids thought about Auntie's Beach House. So we ended up only going to the open houses. My son was not convinced to go until the last day. And then my daughter didn't want to go without him. Uh, you know, she just kind of wanted someone to be there who she could hang out with. And so we didn't go. Actually, one kind of bum thing that happened is we were looking at our daily Iwa, which is like uh, kind of your navigator that tells you everything that's going on the day. And we said there was a party at Auntie's Beach House on our last night at uh, 7 p.m. And then we went down, but we hadn't looked at the fine print and that party required signing up and an extra charge. And so we had convinced our kids to go, but then we realized that they couldn't go. And so we felt pretty bad. There is a great option, uh, obviously not for childcare, but something that's great for kids to do. There is a scavenger hunt that you do with, uh, they're not iPads. I think they're actually Samsung Galaxy tabs or something like that. But you walk around the resort and interact with various features, kind of like the Pirates game or Agent P's in 
Magic Kingdom and Epcot, respectively. That was a ton of fun. Our kids spent hours doing that. And so you should definitely check that out. Like different things light up. You can dump water on people. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, there are times where you get a surprise. So, you know, that scavenger hunt was a ton of fun. I think the kids are ready. What we realized is the kids are ready for Auntie's Beach House and also Kids Club on Disney Cruise Line and stuff like that. But uh, we kind of, uh, we missed the wave metaphorically. Uh, we didn't catch it on this time. So we'll have to do it next time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something that we have made more than our fair share use of. But I mean, the, the, the risk really is with the younger kids, like the three and the four year olds, you know, depending upon how comfortable they are separating, you know, it is it is hit or miss. And the first time my son went, he was an older three-year-old and we definitely had, I mean, he loved it, but he definitely had moments where like the separation was too much or he just got tired. So that's something to think about um, personality wise for those of you who are considering this with younger kids is like, you may not <laughs> get the interest that you would hope to get the time off. But of course you had grandparents with you. So I'm sure you guys got, got more time off than the, the regular vacationer. Right. That made a big difference. We didn't have to feel pressure to force our kids to go to auntie's beach house because of that. But without my parents, we couldn't have done anything anyway, because there's no, the Disney cruise line will have childcare for infants uh, that you can pay for. But at Alani, you'd have to use one of the babysitters that they would call. Like that's not a Disney person. So, you know, depending on your comfort level with that, if you have a baby under the age of three, you're kind of um, out of luck anyway. Yeah, that's right. And if I remember correctly, that babysitter service was incredibly expensive, like maybe like $35 an hour in that range, something like that. Yeah, pass. All right. Well, uh, leave us with with one Disney do or don't from your experience. Now, I'm very happy to have someone to compare notes to now that we've both been to Alani, but uh, give us give us something that you, that you think uh, folks should know, Disney do or don't wise. All right. So I'll do two, both do's or... Like we said with these Disney do's or don'ts, you can just put a don't and you just uh, do the contrapositive and it'll always work. But anyway, number one, you really should be downstairs by 7.55 to get a pool chair. Uh, actually, I never kind of camped out for beach chairs, but at 8 a.m., that's when the towel stands open and you can get your towels. If you want to be like next level, save your towels from the night before. At that point, if you put a towel down on a beach chair or a pool chair, um, you can kind of reserve that. But what they'll do is cast members will walk around. If they see a towel without a person in the chair, they will wrap the towel around the back of the chair. And if you're not back to fix that within an hour, you will lose your chair. Being there at 8 a.m. every day, even with 95% occupancy, I was always able to find a chair that I liked around the pool, which for us, the criteria was fairly central and going to be in the shade for most of the morning. So I didn't have any trouble and it was just me. So I would wait for the towel stand to open, get the towels and then, you know, get the chair. So uh, that's, that's my first tip. Did you, uh, you were camping out at 8am too for chairs, right? Yeah. We usually sit my husband down at that hour. He would sign the kids up for aunties for the day and then hop over and grab a chair. And we never had any issues. And like, like you said, we were there at the same time, you know, same occupancy level, like 90 plus percent occupancy level. And, and we made it work. Yeah. And you did say that aunties lines seemed shorter and that's the experience that I saw as well. I think the order to do it in, if you're only sending one person is get your pool chairs first, 
then go to Auntie's, and then go to the lounge. I forget the name of the lounge, but that's where you go to sign up for like other activities like drawing classes or making those cute Mickey ears with the flowers and stuff like that. My second Disney do would be, especially if you need a Christmas card like us, strongly consider getting the photo pass. It's uh, $79 if you buy it online after you get home. I paid $99 for the CD for reasons that we don't have time to go into here, but I basically paid 20 extra dollars to make sure that I got the pictures. You get all your pictures from your Alani vacation. And if you go down to the beach around 630 uh, or around sunset, there are photo pass with photographers taking pictures there and you can get pictures with your whole family. And hopefully one of them comes out nice enough to use for your Christmas card. And so we, did, uh, Leslie, we did that three nights in a row wearing the same outfits every night at 630. So we have at least 60 to 70 Christmas card pictures to choose from. I hope one of them came out nicely. I hope so too. I'll be watching my mailbox come December. <laughs> we we definitely <laughs> used one ourselves for our Christmas card uh, in 2017. So yeah, it's it's worth, worth the money, but I hope you got a good one. Me too. Uh, um, the baby was afraid of waves. So we couldn't get too close to the waves without her crying. It was weird. She loves the pool though. Uh, and the other, the other thing to know about PhotoPass though is, uh, I guess this is a don't, don't expect your luau pictures or your character breakfast pictures to be included. So overall, the PhotoPass is cheaper than say Disney World because it's like $50 cheaper. But if you want your picture when you're entering the luau or there's a special character picture that you can take during the character breakfast. We didn't do the character breakfast, but I saw this happening. Uh, that costs you extra. So note that that's not included in the photo pass. Although there are other photo pass photographers walking around during those times that take pictures. So it's kind of a nickel and dimey type thing. Yep, that's right. All right, that's it. Leslie, you got any other final things about Alani? I think that's it for now. Hopefully we'll take a little bit of an Alani break because I know we've we've done more episodes about Alani than any non-Disney World location on this podcast now. Yeah, that's true. I don't – we don't want to give – this is the first time that we've been back to Hawaii in 10 years. So it just happened to coincide with the first year of this podcast. But uh, Leslie and I – well, Leslie goes to Hawaii more than I do because she's on the West Coast. But I'm not going to Alani every year or so. My wife said she could go back in – five years or something like that. So that's how long we got to wait till the next one. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to push for three, you know, round up to five. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So thanks so much, Leslie. Thanks you everyone for listening. Uh, you can connect with us if you have your own Alani experiences, or if you have questions, you know, please don't hesitate to let us know. Disney deciphered at gmail.com at WDW deciphered on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Disney deciphered. Other than that, thanks so much, Leslie. And I will see you at the rainbow reef. Thanks Joe.